Hey, it's Leah Rance from Afternoons on Laser 99.3 and 98.5. On today's episode, me and Jared Maple will be reviewing Joker. Sort of. Jared will be reviewing Joker, and I will tell you why I chose not to give my money to seeing it. Just a warning, due to the theme of this episode, it will be a darker episode. This will go in-depth into the movie's themes. There will be spoilers, and be advised, we're going to be talking about graphic scenes, violence, and sexual abuse. So if you are mentally prepared for that, let's get into a sort of Joker review. Leo Rance, Afternoon Rance. Okay, so, Joker. We were going to talk about Joker. You immediately, you actually suggested this, like, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I brought it up when we were originally talking about, like, our October schedule. Because I think, actually, this has been going on, like, even before It Chapter 2 came out. Because I, I remember I was looking at like other movie reviews that we could be doing, and I was like, oh, holy crap, Joker comes out the first week of October. Let's go. So initially, this was going to be uh, your standard run-of-the-mill. Well, not run-of-the-mill because it's us, but <laughs> review. Um, and then, well, I think that right off the bat, I should say that in this podcast, Jared has seen the jo- uh, Joker movie, and I have not. And that is a conscious choice on my part to not see it. Um, But, you know, I feel like in order to encompass this movie, I like the fact personally that you've seen it. um, And I like the fact that, like, there's a lot to cover here. Honestly, Mm. before we even get into the reviewing of the movie, I think we should start off with just like in the beginning, you know, it being announced that Joaquin Phoenix was going to be Joker. You had a lot of people off the bat saying, you know, oh, he'll never be a Heath Ledger. Everybody gets compared to Heath Ledger from Dark Knight these Uh days. Yeah. And um, I found that initially when it was announced that people were skeptical. They're like, Mm -hmm. Joaquin, you mean the guy that went nuts? You know what I mean? For a couple months there. You mean Meryl from Signs? Meryl from Signs is going to be. I forgot he was in Signs. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) That's honestly his most memorable role for me. I I genuinely, Mel Gibson is terrible, but I I loved that movie. I I feel like that's probably the best descriptor of Mel Gibson I've ever heard. Just like, he's terrible. He is. He's a terrible person, but damn it, that's a good movie. Like, and Mm, and people can talk crap about M. Night Shyamalan, but Science is a great movie. Anyway, I'm getting off subject. Here's yeah. the thing. So so that gets announced. Then the trailer comes out, and I don't know about you, but I watched that trailer, those couple trailers that came out from Warner Bros. with Joaquin Phoenix's Joker. I watched them multiple times. I, oh, yeah. Well, it just, they already were leagues above anything that I'd seen come out of DC in a long time. Yeah. Since Dark Knight, honestly. Yeah, no, I think this is definitely like the first like conclusive, really good movie that DC has put out in a very long time. Truth be told, I think this is probably the best DC movie that I've seen, period. Wow. And the main reason why, and we'll get more into this later, it wasn't designed as like a comic book movie. It functions as its own film. And truth be told, I think it functions best when it kind of lets go of some of like the DC property that are attached to it. Right, because from my understanding, and again, I haven't seen it, but um, is that it does stray away a lot from Batman canon in the fact that Joker was created in the comics for falling into a vat of chemicals that turns his face white, makes him crazy, uh, and that 
so far as I know, with this origin story, that doesn't happen. No, it does not. And so, so they just ignore that. And so, I mean, obviously, I mean, you know that, like, as much as I love comics and everything, there's been some times where people have kind of switched up, like, origins of characters, which, like, hasn't really gone over super well for a lot of the fans. But I've never, I haven't seen any Joker fans actually mad about how they did this. Because especially in the past, probably, like, 25, 30 years or so, the canon of the Joker has been that nobody really knows where he came from definitively. Like, so even if you take something like the like uh, the Killing Joke, right, which is basically the most popular Joker story that was ever published, that still was kind of ambiguous. And this movie still kind of ties it to that. But this is a Joker basically without Batman, which is something that we've never really seen. So still going into the timeline of this movie. So now we've got the trailers going on and now we've already got a little bit of controversy that's happening in the fact that a lot of media outlets were questioning as to whether or not it was responsible to release a movie like this. Obviously, this is centering around uh, man's decline into madness into being a villain. There is no hero in this story from from what we're seeing from trailers, from not mm-hmm. seeing the movie. And, um, you know, and it's gaining a lot of traction. And it, 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 it spawned a lot of fear as to whether or not it was going to become sort of manifesto for those who, you know, in this day and age where we deal with ultraviolence on like a regular basis, mass shootings, and obviously with the Aurora... Uh, shooting that happened in 2012 during the Dark Knight, uh, another Batman movie. Um, a lot of people were afraid of that. There was higher security um, in theaters uh, be- because of that fear. And admittedly, when I read those things, it did come to mind. It genuinely did. I told you actually off the mic, but I was like, I think that I'm not going to see this in the first weekend. And I know, you know, some people might hear it and they go, well, yeah, but like, you know, that could happen anywhere. I'm like, well, who had heard of Aurora before that happened? Honestly, like, you know, th- these are happening in small towns, too. So I was just I just didn't want to take that risk. Like, honestly. Oh, no. And that's fair, especially like, again, like like you were saying, like nowadays, like it kind of doesn't hurt to be too careful. But like, I feel like the media blew this movie way out of proportion because truth be told, I I, I definitely wasn't like on edge walking in, but like I was, st- I, like I was still kind of like keeping it like in the back of my mind, sort of. But this movie takes the exact opposite point of view that everybody in the media has been portraying it to be, because mm. everybody is like, oh, it's about like this like loner white dude who's an incel that like hates women, and he's portrayed as the good guy. Mm. After the first twenty minutes of the movie, you're like, I can't like sympathize with this dude. Like the first, so the opening scene of the movie is him like spinning this sign, and you see it in the trailers. He's spinning the sign, a bunch of kids steal from him, he chases after them, they beat him with a sign, right? And then boom, it's just like Todd Phillips Joker, boom. That's how that movie starts. But as you slowly see all of like the just crazy things that this guy does, you like it's more interesting to watch, and it kind of kept me on edge like the entire time. I was like, I'm like, like it's disturbing. It, it goes out of its way to make sure that he is not the good guy. Right, and that you're very aware that you know there's no there's no sympathy there exactly for him. The whole threat of mass violence that kind of died down. Then we came up on the release date, and uh, you know, even still, I looked past that and I was like, I'm still going to go and see this movie because I'm very much so. Uh, you know, I believe in art, and I believe that things shouldn't be censored, mm-hmm. and so I'm definitely. 
you know, I didn't like the idea of people questioning whether or not it was responsible because I was like, well, you know, sometimes I I feel like movies are a a reflection kind of of what we are going through. And I feel like it is kind of real. Totally is. Yeah, exactly. Like a lot of times you'll see that art imitates life. And uh, I just didn't I was still very much so with the intention of going to see it up until and and there were some other minor controversies, too, I, I should add that, like, you know, uh, Joaquin Phoenix and Robert De Niro didn't get along. And it was like, you know, who? Yeah, like that, that's like, like Hollywood stuff, though. You know, freaking that's cares, like, yeah, right? exactly. You know, and then Jimmy Kimmel blindsiding Joaquin Phoenix with a, a clip of like him acting basically like a prima donna, like, and, and right. Joaquin Phoenix. Was that was, when he stormed out of the interview, right? I didn't watch the actual Jimmy oh, Kimmel I interview. I forgot about that, too. See, there's been so much. Um, But no, this one, Jimmy Kimmel had him on. Uh, The interview was going pretty awkward because it's Joaquin Phoenix, and that's kind of a <laughs> shtick, if I'm being honest with yeah, you, yeah. I, you know, I, I doubt that it's not an intentional thing. And uh, basically, Jimmy Kimmel shows a clip that Todd Phillips, the director, had sent him. And it was of Joaquin Phoenix basically freaking out on one of the one of the people that was working on the film. He wasn't freaking out on the person in camera, but he was like cussing and he was getting mad because he was getting out off of his game pretty much and mm-hmm. and he kind of gave a non-apology because <laughs> he was clearly blindsided on the show and he was like yeah but you know what the guy kind of deserved it and I just didn't even think anything of it because I was like again this is just trying to build up build up um it's kind of like the tension that goes along with the movie you know right, it's like yeah. the, the media hype kind of about the whole it's kind of a narrative you know and and, and Joaquin Phoenix what you were saying was uh he walked out of the interview yeah right yeah, so he walked out of this interview after somebody basically pressed him about, which again, and I'm sure that me and you have heard this dozens of times at this point, where, you know, like, will this incite violence, right? And I mean, past a certain point, like, if I was in the movie, I would probably get frustrated with that too, you know? Mm-hmm. But, like, I I do think it was a bit of his ego, but I also think it was a bit of just kind of like, eventually that stuff has got to, like, boil over, right? Like, that's got to be frustrating. Like, you, if you've seen the movie, or even, like, in the previews, you see, like, a shirtless, like, phoenix, right? That dude starved himself for basically a year in order to like actually get ready for this role, mm-hmm. and for him to do such like a killer job of it too, and like I think he knows that he killed, you know, like killed his you know version of the Joker. I think it's got to be frustrating to just hear for like the past couple months about like how like bad this movie is going to be for people, right? And that like, I, and I'm I'm sure that from a humanity standpoint, nobody wants to release art and be like, hey, you're the thing that spawned off this terrible you know Mm -hmm. that incited this terrible thing to happen so I'm sure that was kind of freaky maybe it was something that never really occurred to him while he was making it because in the in the um to layman's terms it's a comic book movie I mean you know what I mean it's it's a fictional character it's like Mm -hmm. you wouldn't think taking on I mean sure it's dark but you wouldn't think like and this is gonna be you know well and actually I did want to touch on that the, I was expecting this movie to be a hell of a lot more graphic when really? I when I went into it. Joker kills, I think, a total wait, of... Wait, 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 spoilers! So yeah, sorry, spoilers, <laughs> spoilers. He kills a total of five people in this movie, right? Uh-huh. Three of which are with guns, mm-hmm. one of which is with a pair of scissors. Actually, no, never, no, four with guns, one with a pair of scissors, right? That's pretty rough. The one with the scissors is the only, like, pretty graphic, like, you know, like, real, like, murder scene. Like, it doesn't seem... It was really gripping just because of what was going on in the story at the time. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't any more graphic than, like, an average, like, Criminal Minds episode. Hmm. 
Like, it, it wasn't, like, blood ever. Like, there was blood on the wall, but it wasn't, like, showing, like, this, like, mutilated body or anything like that. Like, it was just, like, there was blood. He killed him. You saw, like, him, like, putting the scissors into, like, the dude's neck. That was it. Dude, dude fell down, blood on the wall. Oof. That was it. Which, like, but here's the thing. Like, it fit very well in with the movie. But yeah. it didn't seem like, like, truth be told, if it wasn't for the language in the movie, it could be shown on cable. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, and that's surprising to hear, too, because of, uh, you know, all of this controversy that that came along with, you know, mm-hmm. it being ultraviolent. I think it was more about the mentality of it rather than the um, the actual if this makes any sense. Like it, it, it's rather like what it, people were afraid of what it stood for rather than mm. what was actually going to happen in it. You right. know, I don't think anybody anticipated it becoming a Quentin Tarantino like movie. But I, I do. I am surprised to hear that it wasn't graphic at all, you know, yeah, and really, I'm sure that was a, a good choice on the director's part. Right. But it's not like you're walking into like this, like it like it would definitely like I was almost expecting like saw levels of just like gore kind of yeah and like super graphic stuff doesn't even get close to that yeah I which mean is, which was odd like kind of like thinking about that in retro like in retrospect like I'm kind of happy for it because the again I I'll get into this later too the movie was phenomenal I actually yeah. I loved it but like it didn't need to be like hypergraphic or anything like that when I when um. It doesn't surprise me to hear, though, that it wasn't super graphic because mm-hmm. it's it's got Oscar buzz around it. And I feel like anytime you hear Oscar buzz around something, typically it's going to be more so about the actual actual cinematography and script work rather than gratuitous anything. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, yeah. So, OK, so before getting into it, so obviously the controversy between all that didn't freak me out. Didn't you know, I, I was still going to go see it, still going to go see it. Not here for censoring art. And then literally the night I was going going to go to the theater and I was going to see Joker. The one thing that I could not get past uh, was an article that had come out. um, And this is obviously coming out from people that have already seen the film. Mm -hmm. um, But there is a scene in it. It's the iconic scene of him being on the um, and I would say iconic now at this point because it's used in all the promo shots and everything. But he's on the stairs and he's jumping around. He's dancing around and he is dancing to 1972 Rock and Roll Part 2, which is by an artist named Gary Glitter, which I feel like a lot of people I don't know if you knew this until I had told you that. Well, yeah, that, yeah, because I was actually telling you about that. I always knew the song is Rock and Roll Part 2, but I had... That's surprising. I've, I really wouldn't think you would have known the title. No offense. Like, <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. Like, it, it's yeah. because Rock 102 is yeah, right, <laughs> to right. be done all. But, um, no, I, I have never even heard the name Gary Glitter until it came up, like, in that article. Yeah. So. so this guy, Gary Glitter, for those that don't know, and I feel like a lot of people don't know because I told my roommate this, too, who's about 23, I think, and he had no freaking idea. Um, I was like, but this guy is a convicted pedophile like he is serving a a long standing sentence right now for multiple sex crimes against like children and uh, I mean bad guy real bad guy and you know it's weird because you always hear that song in uh, sports games all the time it's that like yeah. you know, well, like go to a hockey game. Like you, you hear it, you know. Yeah, and it's, it's um, and the thing that really threw me off is that uh, you know, I couldn't wrap my my mind around the idea that I would be giving money to something that could potentially be benefiting this pedophile mm. 
And because because it is not known, the director has not said yet if Gary Glitter is receiving any royalties, if he's receiving some sort of lump sum for the movie. I imagine he is. They used his song, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And I just didn't like the idea of I, I really could not mentally, morally, like wrap myself around the idea of giving money to something that even in the smallest bit could potentially be going towards a pedophile. I couldn't right, do yeah, it. You know yeah. what I mean? I, and, and even if I was like, well, because I really did. I struggled with this, admittedly, because I was like, this would be great for the podcast. I was like, you know, this this movie is all the rage. Everybody is talking about it. And honestly, I did want to see it because I knew that it was. But the fact that this director made this choice and it is a conscious choice to use that song because you know I feel like I don't feel like it's a mistake I don't feel like that's a whoops I put in ignition from R. Kelly like you know what I mean everybody I feel like knows the history behind that song he chose it because it was in the 70s he chose it because of the time period and then come to find out uh, you know with the origin of uh, in this Joker being dealing with child abuse if I'm yeah, not yep. mistaken. Mm-hmm. The irony is just there, and I, I couldn't. I felt like I just could not. I couldn't. If I'm going to boycott cats <laughs> coming to theater because I think it's so bad and such a <laughs> terrible move, there was no way I could justify giving money to this. Now I know that you didn't. Go to this movie knowing anything. Yeah, I went. I went there basically completely spoiler free. I went there uh, Friday, so I was there not opening night, but basically like a few hours after that fact. What do so. you think? What do you think of that? I mean, like, let's just get into the controversy because, mm. like, I like the fact that you saw it and I didn't because I feel like that's kind of the way this movie is going to roll. It's very controversial. Oh, absolutely. Just from the beginning of it into you know its very existence, um, and I'm not going to go see it because of now that. Yeah, like, we're just, I'm just totally fair. Yeah. You know, I mean, but I wanted to. That's the thing. I wanted to, and now I just can't. I can't bring myself to it. Mm. What do you think of that? Uh, just regarding Gary Glitter, like the whole controversy is like the whole controversy. Anything? Uh, so I actually took my notes here. A couple. Oh. Of so uh, just kind of like key points. Like again, like the media blew it out of the like hugely out of proportion. Uh, just regarding like how graphic it would be in Joker actually being portrayed as like a good dude because it is the complete opposite. And then like if anything, how people were like, oh, this might like empower a lot of kind of like loner type people to be to like act out on their, you know, like like their crazy visions or anything like that. If anything, the movie portrays itself in a sense of like where it shows the failure of like the health, like basically like the how mental health is treated, right? And it has a, like in a, a very like kind of like anti-rich, anti-establishment thing that they kind of like throw into the whole like mental health argument that they have in there. So earlier in the film, before he actually becomes the Joker and he's just Arthur Fleck, uh, he goes to this therapist that basically doesn't want to hear it from him like at all, just completely just like nodding her head, saying yes, you know, and then um, basically she says, oh, yeah, by the way, the government's pulling our funding uh, like like, I'm sorry, but we can't talk anymore. And he asks her, like, where am I going to get my meds? And she just basically shrugs. Right. And it resorts to him just kind of like going off his meds. And that's kind of what like kind of what spirals all of this. Mm-hmm. I think just like with everything here, like it's, it shows more of like the opposite commentary that they were thinking about. Like 
it empowering like this like loner dude who feels like he's been wronged by society when realistically it's focusing more on like the health like the mental health system and like kind of like Adding commentary to that, if that makes any sense. And how basically it let him down. Yes. Which is what made him kind of spiral out of control is there was nowhere for him to turn to Mm -hmm. kind of deal at the end of the day. Yeah. And then it leads with him getting fired. So the kind of like the turning point for the movie is when he gets fired from the clown agency that he works for. Of course, the Joker works for a clown agency. You know, well, yeah. Makes sense. You gotta you leave some semblance of, you know, exactly. comics in this. Yeah, and so what happens is one of the guys that he works with gives him a gun right after he gets essentially mugged by those group of kids that steal the sign in the trailer. Mm. He takes the gun to his gig at a children's hospital and it falls out of his pocket. Oh my gosh, and why would he do that? Because he's a mentally ill dude. Oh. So that's why it's like he doesn't think these things through. And that's kind of what it shows is that he was like, I didn't see anything wrong with it. Like, I might get beat up again, you know? And then so it just. These kids might mug me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and, that, and like they kind of play on like how like irrational like some of that stuff is. But at the same time, like how damaged he already was. Yeah. By, you know, what already happened to him at that point. So he gets let go from the agency there. And so not only can he not support himself, he also can't support his essentially dying mother. But OK, so so. Not to totally like real like, but I do want to add, but all these things you're telling me um, with, you know, the things that are happening to them and and to a mentally ill person, wouldn't that lend itself to sympathy? I'm not seeing where he's not sympathetic at this point. It basically ends in like, I actually, I, there was audible gasps coming from a lot of the people in the theater the second, because he's like dancing and he's like singing a song for the, for like these sick kids in the hospital, right? The gun falls out of his pocket and everybody's like, (gasps) Like, everybody in theater is like, holy shit, like, that just happened. And then it gets to the certain point where just, like, the more and more he gets beat up, the more and more distorted his worldview gets. And so, basically, that night, after he gets fired, um, that's when he kills his first victims. Which, essentially, what winds up happening is he sees three dudes on the subway. And they're essentially, they're basically trying to kind of, like, they're, like, tugging at this girl's skirt. They're trying to, like, get her to, like, go home with them, right? And she's not having it, right? And... In the movie, uh, Arthur Fleck, he has this condition where he uncontrollably laughs, which I guess is a real medical condition, by the way. So all of like the laughing that you see in the trailers, like there's that one scene when he's like turning around the corner and he's laughing and he just stops. That's because of like his condition that causes him to do that. I can imagine it comes from a nervous anxiety thing. I know a lot of people that laugh due to like really uncomfortable situations. Oh, exactly. So like whenever he even has like a little bit of stress and like like when when he realizes that like he's even slightly stressed, yeah, he just breaks out in laughter, right? And so these guys immediately turn their attention to him. The girl walks away, and they immediately all three guys just put him on the ground and start kicking the hell out of him. Basically, mm-hmm. when he does this, uh, he takes the gun out of his pocket from earlier shoots two of the guys on the train the other guy goes away and is basically pleading for mercy past a certain point and he shoots him three times so and for a while like it's kind of like treading that line where i'm like this is this is weird because like it's almost still kind of painting him as kind of like a damaged dude just because of, like how he reacts to this whole thing it's it's a very like slow burn kind of plot so it's not just like a one thing that kind of like unravels like all of this mm-hmm. he proceeds to celebrate him killing those people so he has like blood all over him he's still wearing like his clown mask after he got laid out well fired mm-hmm. and he's doing like this like weird ballet like in the middle of just like a public restroom basically yeah. so and while all of this is happening there's a subplot of how his mom says that she used to work for thomas wayne uh as a uh 
as like a maid, basically, right? And he eventually finds out that in one of the letters that she was writing to Thomas Wayne, he opens it and reads that uh, she says, you need to help out me, who's basically dying, and our son. So it's led to believe originally that not only is Thomas Wayne as in Bruce, Bruce Wayne's, Wayne's dad. Yes. Oh, so it's yeah. leading you to believe that Joker is actually an illegitimate son mm-hmm. and po- and possibly the half-brother of Bruce Wayne. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. And so he does this, kind of freaks out on his mom before she gets sick. With all of his rage, uh, Arthur decides to go to a theater that basically joke uh, that uh thomas wayne and martha joker is playing yeah, yeah the joke is that. Yeah, yeah yeah uh where thomas and martha wayne are essentially just waiting uh are watching the opera right uh, okay here we go this is no actually it does oh. a fake out believe it or not but he does confront thomas wayne in the bathroom um and it leads to thomas wayne just exploding and telling him that his mother adopted him because thomas wayne also tells him that his mother um, was actually lo- locked up in their version of Arkham Asylum. It's like Arkham State Hospital. Mm-hmm. I think they just want to change it for whatever reason. So um, for just mental health issues, he goes in there, sees all of this, and uh, he gets her files. He looks at it, and this is kind of like his snapping point because he sees that not only is he adopted, but suddenly all these memories come flooding back about how he was abused as a child, and like he uh, listens to like the interview tapes from his mother from when she was in the psych ward and all this other stuff, right? Again, where is he not sympathetic? I'm he kills not... his mother right after that. Okay. And then he heads back to his apartment after he kills his mother, and he gets a call from The Murray Show, which is Robert De Niro's uh, basically late-night show. And they say, hey, would you like to come on? They loved your clip when uh, we played you last week from your comedy set. He was like, oh, my God, this is great, right? Unbeknownst to him at first, that they just want to make fun of him for the entire time. They want to bring him out up on stage. They just want to like just ruthlessly make fun of this dude. I'm just gonna stop you right there. You've been telling me the entire movie, and almost all of it is still making him sympathetic. Like uh, there's no like I, I'm not seeing where they're making him out to like. Th- this is just a, a move like a movie about Job, basically. You know what I mean? Like all the terrible things that happened to him, and and. Where is he not sympathetic? Like, you know, he kills his mother and then he realizes all of like after all of this that he was fantasizing about this girl. Right. He realizes that all of that was fake in this entire time that everybody was essentially laughing at him. That night comes. He goes on to Murray show. And this is when you see he's like, can you introduce me as Joker and all this other stuff? And eventually he gets up on stage and sooner than later, he starts bombing his set he calls Murray out for like, oh, you want to like, you basically invited me on here to make fun of me. And um, it just leads to a confrontation where he admits that he killed those three people on the So that's subway. funny. That's life imitating art because that's something that Jimmy Kimmel uh, was talking to Joaquin Phoenix about mm-hmm. and said uh, something. So, I don't know. They got on the topic of dancing somehow, and Joaquin Phoenix was talking about how he liked to break dance, and of course the audience laughs because they're like, "What?" You know what I mean? And he's like, "I like to do it for myself, like alone." And Jimmy makes some sort of statement like, "Hey, you get the cardboard out and you just do it at home." And he's like, "Hey, you're making fun of me, but it's actually very personal to me." Like he deadpan said that. 
that yeah. that is something he actually said. So that's interesting. I don't know if that was like a callback to maybe that or maybe you know. because that's essentially what that's kind of what the interview with Robert De Niro boils down to. Because he was like, "You invited me up here because I was doing something that I like, and you guys all just wanted to make fun of me for it, mm-hmm. right?" And eventually, when he admits that he killed those three people in the in the subway, Robert De Niro keeps on pushing him for it. He's like, "You have nothing else to lose. Why are you admitting this right now?" And he was like, "That's exactly. It. I have nothing else to lose." And eventually, they get they start screaming at each other, and in this entire like screaming match that they have, uh, Phoenix admits he's like. This is what happens uh, because I'm a mentally Joker. ill person in a society. Yeah, he was he's basically a Joker at this point. Yeah, and um, he basically just says, and I believe like his punchline there is just saying like, what happens when you cross like a mentally ill person with a society that doesn't give a about them, and it's you get what you deserve. And he shoots Robert De Niro in the head. Okay, so so you would say his character is sympathetic or not sympathetic? You're saying his point, character is not sympathetic. To a point, it is. You see, like some of just like the really creepy things that he does throughout the film, and there's just a lot of like really little details that pile up. Like you see, like his psyche like slowly breaking, but you also see like how more, how much more he like just leads into violence throughout the film. So why let's just get into it like overall how do you feel about this film if you like it why do you like it kind of that basically like the cinematography for this movie was absolutely phenomenal it did this really weird thing where it was a lot of wide shots with shallow depth of field which is something that i don't see too often so essentially so like let's say if there was a shot when joker was actually walking up those staircases uh he was walking up and when he got to the top it was essentially the focus was only on joker and everything else was blurred out, but it's like a like a really wide shot, so it was just like a really interesting thing that you don't see too often. Uh, I'm trying to think, and then the color also in this movie was great. It was all very like dark, focused like a lot of on like blues, super dim lighting. Mm-hmm. You, you looked like you were about to say something. Was there? Well, a- I was gonna say like with the trailer, I definitely noticed that they chose colors that were reminiscent of like when you see the golds and the reds and everything. It's very um. 70s like a lot Mm -hmm. of stuff if you look back in movies from the 70s they use i i wouldn't be surprised to know if they use if they did some of the similar um film techniques that they used in the 70s Mm. i wouldn't be surprised you know oh yeah and then um and i think probably most importantly to me when it comes to telling a story that's kind of like in like the batman universe kind of arkham is just as much of a character as batman or joker are like the town. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So like the the entire the city. city yeah. It finally there was finally a movie that made Arkham look like a hole for yeah. the first time ever. Because like usually it just looks like New York at night. Like even if you go back to like the Dark Knight movies, it didn't look like that like downtrodden. But in this movie, there's trash everywhere. It looks like you're in the ghetto. It looks like somewhere you, where you would not want to be found late at night, basically. Yeah. And it just does a really good job of portraying Gotham. And especially with, like, even, like, the extras in this movie, like, they did such a good job with just making everybody seem, like, so down of the dirt, which kind of, like, ties into basically, I mean, like, the overall, like, theme of it. Talking about, like, the clown rights and everything. You slowly see people starting to, like, dress up, like, more in makeup, wearing more masks and, like, stuff like that. So you can kind of see how, like, Gotham evolves as the character does throughout mm-hmm. the movie, which I just thought was, like, really cool. One out of ten, what would you give it? Probably, like, a nine. Yeah. Wow, so you really liked it. Oh, yeah. And the, the reason being for that is, truth be told, probably would have been a 10 out of 10. But I think when they actually focused on Bruce Wayne, I think it actually kind of took out a little bit. Because, 
like I was saying before, this doesn't really seem like it's rooted in comic books just because of how the movie is portrayed. And like when you kind of try to tie that in too much, I feel like it kind of like kind of gets lost in the weeds, you know? Yeah, I do, I do know what you're talking about because I think that maybe what makes this uh, the formula for success here is the fact that it's not really a comic book movie. It's a movie based off of material in comics, and that's mm-hmm. different than doing an Avengers movie. Right. Um. So getting back to the 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 controversy with this movie, mm-hmm. um. Knowing what you know now, would you still see it again? Uh, as a movie, I like it, but probably not. Now that you mentioned that, you know, yeah, I don't, yeah, probably not. But well, it's an interesting thing to kind of get into is the fact that, like, honestly, there are situations like this where we're living in a, a cancel culture. You know what I mean? Mm. Where things get canceled because you find out these, you know, darker things about someone, like Harvey Weinstein. You know, he's not in movies anymore but then Mm -hmm. you get to a point where you're like well does that mean you can't watch any harvey weinstein movie because you know there was my you know i don't have the answer to this you know what i mean it's like does that mean yeah right you know and uh you know for me it was like this is information that i have and i can't can't get around it like honestly now i know it and i can't unknow it and i can't uh, get any justification that it's not going to, you know what I mean? Mm. And um, so, do you think that, like, let's say, uh, okay, so for example, would you ever watch House of Cards, knowing about the whole Kevin Spacey thing? No, no, okay. yeah, like I, I couldn't. Um, creeps me out now. Too bad. Like, honestly, once mm. you, once you kind of know that about someone, and I can't help but like think about that person doing the horrible things that they did hmm. and and genuinely I and, and he's a horrible person in House of Cards so it it's kind of like y- yikes <laughs> <laughs> so uh, no I, I probably I probably wouldn't hmm. honestly you see I don't really know like where the line is drawn though you know so like so I think when it comes to like especially with like me DJing you know it's like kind of like me saying oh no I will never play another Michael Jackson song ever again. I will never play another R. Kelly song. You right. Know? Which I think, like, I don't know where the line is drawn there, you know? Right, exactly. It's like, when does the art become bigger than the person? And does it ever? And, you know, where do we stand? How do we feel as consumers morally? I, it's a weird guilt thing, you know? Anytime now, I used to love R. Kelly's music and I really have found myself like feeling too daggone guilty to mm. to to get it to you know ignition. I can't do it anymore, and uh, you know it's just this it's this weird thing like where yeah I don't know. I mean I don't have a definitive answer for it at the end of the day, but it is interesting to me because it's like in an age where you know I I know that this movie is going to be successful whether or not I go and see it I understand right. that and I'm not going to demonize anybody that chooses to go and watch this movie because if I'm being honest here I don't think a lot of people think that deeply into what it took to make a movie you know what I mean mm-hmm. I mean you had the guy uh who's the guy Brian what's his face uh with From... the director Brian Singer Brian Singer he did oh yeah 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 Bohemian Rhapsody part of it at least and X-Men and it was like do you go and see that you know what I mean so mm-hmm. I, I don't know I mean but uh it, it pisses me off for sure because that it sounds like it was a good movie it pisses me off, you know what I mean? Because yeah. I, I'm like, why would he 
choose. I really would love for Todd Phillips to come out with a public statement about this. I think it deserves to have a public statement because if this is a movie about mental illness and this is about the trauma of child abuse, then why would you choose to use a song that benefits a pedophile? It just... I understand art and I understand controversy and I'm not here for censorship. But when you make a conscious decision to do that, you know what I mean? It's it pisses me off. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, honestly, at the end of the day, because I feel like I was robbed. Like, I can't go and see this now because you did that. You know what I mean? So I would never condone piracy. But no, I'm not, I'm not going to. I, I, I can't. I can't do yeah. that. You know what I mean? But, uh, you know, it's. It's just one of those things. I think you should make a public statement, truthfully, mm. about it. I don't, it's it's tough because, again, like, I don't really know where that line gets drawn, you know? Because mm-hmm. it's not just like, like, there's no way that Todd Phillips was just like, yes, I, like, like, I think there was multiple people that must have factored into that decision, right? And, you know, there's a chance that one or more of them knew that about the whole Gary Glitter situation. Oh, right? they had to have. It's been public since the 90s. There's no way, especially being that we're in the media you're entrenched in this stupid knowledge you know what i mean you know all of this stuff Mm. like okay like i don't know for me it was weird because like when i heard that song like i knew again like i knew it was rock and roll part two so i was like oh sweet you know i was like like this is right i didn't expect to hear this no i don't know it's it's really interesting because like somebody like me like i've never i had no idea well, yeah. About Gary Glitter being a convicted pedophile. Right, I right. I zero idea about a that. A lot of people don't, and that's yeah. the thing. A lot of people are going to see this movie, they're going to watch it, and they're not going to have any clue. And a lot of people go to football games. They have no freaking clue, yeah. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it still gets used. In the UK, interestingly enough, they have completely banned it. They do not play it ever. But in really? America, yeah, I mean, I can't say that for certain, but it was like this this thread I had seen on Twitter and people were like, we never hear this song. You know what I mean? And like, Mm. we're like, this is what we use for sports and stuff. So, I mean, I saw the counter argument. It's like, well, if you're going to ban this film, are you going to ban every single sporting event? You know what I mean? And where that plays it. And, you know, when, when does the canceling culture get to be too much? And, you know, I think like socially we could be against it, you know, but I think like outright banning stuff might be, I think it might be a bit much truthfully. Because I think like sunlight is basically the best disinfectant. I feel you know, so it's like so like, you are clearly pissed off about how how basically this song was used in this movie, right? Yes. Yeah, and like I think you can like you are more than free to make like your conscious decision to be like I don't want to go see this movie now because of this, right? You know, but I don't know. I feel like outright banning a song that millions of people have heard throughout the years, right? In kind of like. Again, like, this is where you get, like, really into the thick of it about, like, separating the art from the artist, you know? And, like, are you supporting him by doing this? Like, or are you, you know, like, or are you just enjoying the rest of the medium by being there, you know? Right. And and I think that what it boiled down to me ultimately for my decision is that, yes, I decided that I, if I did go, I was financially in some small part mm-hmm. supporting this guy. And I, I couldn't do that. And I saw... Where people were like, well, it did get used in Meet the Fockers in 2004. Now, we have to remember 2004 is a very different era than what we're experiencing now 15 years later. Does that really matter, though, if the song was still used back then, though? No. Because like, he was still a pedophile then. Yeah, he was know? still a pedophile then. I don't think it was as highly publicized. I don't think as many people knew. I mean, mm-hmm. we are in an era now where we have information at our fingertips, and now we... 
almost it begs the question, do we have the responsibility as consumers to know and to care about that kind of thing? You know, it wasn't right back then. It mm. wasn't right back then. I just would say that the cover of ignorance was easier to, you know, That's fair. Yeah. use back then. But now, you know, for God's sake, I just Googled Brian's name, Brian Director, and Brian Singer came <laughs> up immediately. You know what I mean? So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't think we're going to have the answers on this podcast. But, I, you know, I figure that with covering the Joker and covering all of the Joker, it's worth mentioning how there are going to be some people like you that are going to go see it and they're going to really enjoy it for the film and for the medium that it is. And I think there are going to be people like me that, like, I can't. I can't see it. You know what I mean? And, Mm. um, you know, and that's going to be what makes this film, regardless of how anybody uh, portrays or sees it, it's going to be something that is iconic to 2019. It is going to be a cultural touchstone of 2019 for USA, like for for cultural politics. You know what I mean? Like going on. So, but overall... I don't know. I don't know even know where to end uh, it with this. I mean, I've loved talking about it. Yeah, though. I know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so do, do you want to try to end on a high note? <laughs> well, the high note is, is that we're going to be talking with a paranormal team. That next. is a high note <laughs> coming at you next week. <laughs>